0: Welcome to this week's Double Tap. Uh, you got a special edition of just me flying solo uh, this week. Uh, Daryl is enjoying the hurricane over in Orlando, so is not currently here. So I feel a bit like uh, Morecambe with no Wise. Um, maybe for a younger viewers, uh, I'm Batman with no Robin, but um, I thought I was going to plough through and do a special uh, edition just by myself, we'll see how this works out, it might be dog shit, in which case we won't be doing another one but um, the real reason I wanted to do this one was I saw the incredibly sad news break on Sunday um, that Anthony Rumble Johnson had passed away um, absolutely phenomenal fighter um, really I'm not quite sure why but I've really been quite sombre about it ever since, it feels like a huge loss um and the guy was just incredible to watch. And I watched many of his fights with a, a great deal of satisfaction. Um, I I don't think it's still been confirmed, the actual cause of his death. I, I did a little bit of looking and it seems that he may well have had uh, leukaemia or some type of uh, blood cancer. But um didn't want people to know about it. Um, so a lot for the man. Um a true champion in death like he was in life uh it reminds me a little bit of uh the actor that passed away I think last year was Chadwick Boseman uh who didn't want anybody to know about his suffering which in today's society where everybody's look at me woe is me give me all the attention I thought was incredible so um our thoughts and best wishes go to anybody uh associated with, with um Anthony, uh, johnson and from my personal point of view it was an absolute pleasure to watch him fight um, just a little bit of a, of a roundup uh, about him he he was definitely one of the most physically gifted fighters i think i've seen i mean he used to have probably the worst weight cut i can ever recall in that he originally started fighting at welterweight this is a man that walked around at well over 200 pounds Um, He had various issues actually hitting the welterweight limit of 170 and and missed it a fair few times and quite egregiously on a couple of occasions. Um, But so much so, he then fought at middleweight, light heavyweight and even a pair of fights in uh, World Series of Fighting at heavyweight. I mean, the guy was a monster uh, and a fighter's fighter. Um, His overall record was 23 wins, 6 losses. Well, wait, I mean, he beat uh, Britain's Dan Hardy, which is no joke. Andre Olofsky and Mike Kyle, who were both huge guys at heavyweight. And then no joke, he built Phil Davis, Jimmy Manuel, Ryan Bader and Alex Gustafsson at light heavyweight. So the man was no joke. The only man that really beat him convincingly and seemed to have his number was um, Daniel Cormier. Uh, they fought a couple of times and, and Cormier won both of those. And sadly, he never really got the chance to fight uh, John Jones because that would have been the fight at one point, maybe four or five years ago. That was the fight to make. That was what everybody wanted to see. Um, and that would have been a barnstormer. Could Could John Jones take um, the power that um, Anthony had? So we we'll never know. Um, but one one thing it did... Uh, I'm always pretty reflective and sometimes you hear of these tragedies and you can't help but reflect on on your own life uh, a little bit. And I think, from my own view, if anyone, if I did pass away and I gave people as much pleasure as I know watching someone like Johnson KO people, had given people and fans all around the world, uh, I think my fam, I I feel a lot better in myself. Um, What it also got me thinking was about... Johnson, I think a lot of people and would say he was maybe one of the pound for pound hardest hitters in MMA ever, and I certainly couldn't deny that from from all of the fights I've watched and and seeing him. So that got me thinking, and I thought to myself, who would those be if there was a, a such a uh, a list? Who would those pound for pound fighters be? So as a homage to uh, Rumble Johnson, I thought about it. I gave a little bit of thought to it last night. And I've compiled my own completely subjective top five, pound for pound, hardest hit as an MMA, MMA ever. Obviously, this is completely subjective. There's no way that you can ever really um, prove, test this. It's always going to have people um, debating things. But I thought for a discussion point, and as I say, if nothing else is uh, homage to uh, Rumble Johnson, I would put this together. So um, my own number five in reverse order. I've got Mark Hunt uh, no list I don't think of, of pound for pound hardest hitters would be complete without the inventor of the walk-off KO um, actually talked about him a couple of weeks ago in the podcast because he's just finished his, his fighting career he finished uh, with a boxing match he finished MMA a while ago and he beat um, Sonny Bill Williams, the former cross code rugby league player for the Oceanic heavyweight title at 48 still got that power Um, His MMA record was 13 wins, 14 losses, 1 draw and that record probably is slightly uh, deceiving in terms of the quality because he only fought the absolute best 10 of his 13 wins uh, by KO. Uh, and a nice little stat that I found uh, to try and judge all of these guys that I put together is the average time spent in the cage uh, for a per fight. His average was nine minutes, 45 seconds, but I don't think any list could really be complete without, without Mark Hum. Number four, I've gone for Rumble. This is certainly just not uh, the sympathy vote. He would definitely make my top five um, of all time. I've already talked about um, some of his, his achievements and who he beat with his 23-6 um, and six record. Uh, 17 of those K, uh, K 23 wins um, were KOs. Um, of his 13 wins in the UFC, 11 were by knockout and he averaged just 6 minutes 59 seconds in the cage. So phenomenal work from Rumble. Uh, my number three, uh, I've gone for Dan Henderson. So everybody uh, knew about the H-bomb and exactly what Dan Henderson brought to a fight, which was absolutely savage wrestling and one of the hardest right hands ever. But could people stop that? And I mean, what a pairing of MMA skills to have. No one could take him down. And if he got a chance, he would just blitz you with that overhand right. Um, People knew what was coming. The amount of people that tried to stop it sadly didn't get a chance. Um, Henderson finished his own uh, career with a record of 32 wins, uh, 15 losses, 18 of those wins coming by KO. Uh, he built Gil- Gieber- Eve- Eve, uh, Eve, uh Victor Belfort, Párez, Bisping, and he even beat, which shows the power goes up and stays with you, as one of the last things to go, a bit like Mark Hunt, Fedor at heavyweight in Strikeforce. Um, his cage average uh, fight time was a little bit longer because he did have a few decisions, uh, but his average time in the cage was coming in at 11 minutes, 4 seconds. Number two, close this was uh, to to being top, and a real personal favourite of mine was Shane Carwin. Now, he was only around um, for a small period, but man, did he burn brightly for that period. came into MMA quite late, but the guy was a fucking tank of a man. So he finished uh, with a 12 wins, two losses as his uh, record, Uh, a 4-2 record in the UFC. All four wins were by knockout. Uh, He could very easily have been the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. He held the interim belt, but if he hadn't punched himself out uh, against uh, Brock Lesnar in their famous fight, and he was seconds from doing so he had brock in serious trouble had him on the cage towards the end of the first round basically went hell for leather just gassed himself out Uh, a man that big it's not a surprise but i tell you he was throwing with bad bad intentions um gabriel gonzaga and frank mir both felt the full force of his power uh, and then this is the craziest stat, probably out of all of them maybe why who i should have put as number one his average cage time three minutes 60 seconds so four minutes uh that is that is ridiculous for uh uh time spent in the cage that that man had heavy heavy hands so number one i wonder if any of you can guess out there we have talked about this guy before and, and often wax lyrically about the current UFC heavyweight champion of the world so this is Francis Ngannou quite simply one of the most terrifying humans I've ever seen he looks exactly like I would want the UFC heavyweight champion to look like Uh, a freakish stature of a man looks like he was chiseled by the gods and has power to boot so he currently has 17 MMA wins with 11 by KO and his average time in the cage is uh, 6 minutes 6 seconds um, still one of the scariest knockouts I think I've ever seen is when he knocked Alistair over him into another dimension and made his teeth, his, teeth his toes curl such was the power and the venom that he hit, he hit him with sadly he seems to be sitting out at the moment in a bit of a standoff with the UFC no one's entirely sure why that is and, and what's quite happening there but um, yeah He would be my number one. I think, um, again, I'd be interested in in, in our listeners' uh, views. You know, give us your own top five. Give us your your views on my top five. Um, Could you do better than that? But Carwin and Ngarnu fighting for the heavyweight title, that would literally be one of my dream fights. What what a fight that would be. Anyway, moving on uh, from um, our homage to uh, Rumble is um, what we will deal with is UFC 281 because that was at the weekend and um, normally we cover uh, these fight breakdowns in our main uh, podcast but obviously with uh, Daryl on his holidays then I thought um, this would be a good opportunity to to discuss uh, the fights so I've got to say it wasn't a shock to me and I've been saying for some time that I felt Pereira could beat Adesanya and there he goes and does it uh, Adesanya was ahead on all of the judges' scorecards, three to one, at the at the point uh, that he he got um, sparked out, um, and he even showed some some pretty impressive evolution in terms of his own game, in terms of taking down Pereira uh, and and his ground game, which was quite impressive. Um, I thought Pereira tired as as the rounds went on, but such is with that power, it just carries through the fights, and it was scary. Um, I think some people I've read that what were calling it maybe an early stoppage and especially as Adesanya's the champ that you know do you really need to put the champ to sleep but he was out on his feet he'd taken some big hits a couple of big hooks he was looking down he wasn't intelligently defending himself so I don't think you could really say that was a weak stoppage and I think even Adesanya himself came out and said he was okay with the stoppage Um. I really like the way that Adesanya came out and was, was quite upbeat. Uh, wanted the rematch. Says so he, he dares to be great. So he, he wants to bring it on because that's now three losses, two in kickboxing, one in MMA, uh, that Pereira's beaten him. So um, instant rematch is probably the most likely outcome um, in terms of, you know, Adesanya's ruled over the, the division for a while. So he probably deserves the instant rematch and it's quite an easy fight to build what was going through my mind is um, it's a lot of possibilities all of a sudden open up in what was before this a relatively bland middleweight division and what I mean by that is um, Adesanya had rolling through uh, all of the division and he'd even beat uh, Robert Whittaker and Marvin Vittori twice each now both of them are big guys, both of them have got pretty solid wrestling and takedowns and I would have thought both of them would be licking their lips at a possible fight with Pereira in terms of for the title because whilst I wouldn't have thought anybody wants to get in the ring with Pereira given his, his fearsome knockout power um, it's someone new and it's a puzzle that they haven't had to take on yet so um, he's obviously relatively limited in terms of his uh, takedown defence and his wrestling so someone like Whitaker I'm sure might well fancy himself to take him down uh, and ground him, pound him out so um, a lot of more interesting matchups as a result of that. But I certainly think it will be Adesanya, um pereira rematch. And that's the fight it should really be. Uh, co-main event, uh, Wele. she just smashed through Carla Esparza, annihilated her on the feet and then choked her out, all in total in under three minutes. So um, it was a pretty brutal and savage beating. Uh, Amanda Lemos who won against Mariana Riguez at fight night 214 would probably seem the obvious challenger uh, and the next person to, to fight uh, Wele and see if um, she can take the belt off her uh, and see if Wele can, can retain that um, Poirier and Chandler I mean we knew this was going to be a good fight and these guys always deliver, I can't remember of either of them being in a, in, in a poor fight but I mean what a match up so he had a, a big start from from Chandler. Came out of the blocks hard, and I mean, he was looked pretty good. Poirier kind of wrestled maybe back a bit of uh, the, the first round, and then um, bang, um, Chandler nearly stopped him at the end. He was landing some big punches right at the buzzer, and if that had been another ten or twenty seconds, you, Poirier caught the wrong, uh, one of those wrong, he could have easily been out. Um, so really huge toughness from Poirier to see that through looked fine to be honest in, in, in the second round and he'd be lucky he regained uh you know his wits about him. Uh Chandler then stepped on the gas, basically took him down and, and smashed him on the ground. Um, she, again, eight showed his toughness by surviving through that. Um, and then going to the third round and again it was a bit more of a uh wild exchange and Poiri 8 showing that uh, elite level jiu jitsu that we talked about before sniffed wasn't even a good chance sniffed a little bit of a chance Chandler which is strange for a wrestler showed him his back and bang before you knew it Poirier had sunk in a deep rear naked choke uh, and elicited the tap from uh, Chandler so very very good fight and I say these guys never fail to deliver um, they're the type of guys that we'll look back on uh, when they're not fighting anymore and we'll miss them and see how lucky it was that we got to watch those guys scrap in terms of what's next, um, there's a few options there, really. I mean, I've got to be honest, who doesn't want to see either of them fight Gagey again? Just because that would be a a, a, a barn uh, banter of a fight, and I think everybody would enjoy seeing either of them fight Gagey for, for a second time. The other one that I hear is being rumoured for Porier is Darius Berush, uh, and that may well be at UFC 284 in Australia. So this is a guy that's been... Climbing the ranks slowly but surely hasn't really had, um, you know, a big name on his his resume yet, but has been um, definitely close to earning that. So I think it looks like Porier Barouche, um, and that would be a decent fight. Um, final point I'll just touch on with with uh, UFC two eight one is man, it sucks for Frankie Edgar. We we talked about this a little bit beforehand that the danger of coming out. And saying you're gonna um, retire in your last fight, and is that slightly indicative of showing your mind where where it's at? I watched with horror as before the fight, they show his wife and his three kids, and I'm thinking to myself, I've got a bad feeling about this. And then bang, got absolutely knocked out. And as much as that's a you know to be proud of, your father, he's fighting in the UFC, He's he's a warrior. I thought no one wants to see their old man get KO'd like that. So I wonder how his, his, his kids and his, his family feel about that and whether or not he might look back and think that was probably a bad move. But absolute warrior. Um, terrific career. Finishes it with a record of 24-11 losses. 24 wins, 11 losses and one draw. He beat Jim Miller, Tyson Griffin, BJ Penn twice, uh, Spencer... Great nickname, the Kingfisher. Uh, Grey Maynard. Charles Oliveira, he actually beat back in the day. I think that was at 145. Uriah Faber, Chad Mendes and Yair Rodriguez. So he had a decent career, Frankie. Our absolute best wishes go out to him and a really sad way uh, for his career sadly to end. So we'll move on to, to football now. Um realise this is probably just sounding starting to sound just like an old man moaning or minging on, but um, good result for Liverpool. Um, Nice, easy victory uh, for a change for what it felt like compared to normal against Southampton. Um, 3-1, felt pretty easy. It was a 3-1 by half-time. Nunes started to look very, very dangerous. Um, Coordinated chaos is a a way of describing him I keep hearing about, because... He does make things happen. Is he a little bit erratic? Is he still a little bit raw? Yes. But when he gets the ball at his feet, he can run. He causes mayhem. He, he seems to appear in places where he can, he can, he can be dangerous and he, he can make a difference. So I think he is coming along quite nicely, uh, given that we now go into the kind of halfway season break during the World Cup. Uh, 11 goals in his last 18 appearances for us. So I'm pretty happy with that. Um, I do remember at the, the the outset people were comparing who was going to do better him or Haaland and um, there's only really one winner in that um, but decent, decent improvement from, from Nunez starting to look dangerous and at a time when Liverpool are starting to look a little bit short on ideas up front with um, Salah apart from the Champions League this year not quite at, at form Bobby Firmino is picking up the, the slack there and having his, his best season for a few years certainly numbers wise um, but we're missing Diaz that's for sure and um, that will be one of the good things about this World Cup break now is we can get him back uh, and back in the first team because we really miss that direct running that quality of output the crossing he's got so I'll be excited when he's back and with Nunes uh, hopefully invigorated and not injured from, from the World Cup um, having a little look at, uh, around the rest of the games so City struggling a little bit really um at home losing to brentford with a last minute goal um a couple of poor results on uh, on the spin really for city even though they won the last game they had a man sent off and they really had to labor to get that win um and then they lose uh, to brentford i mean brentford i think so far this season that means they've beaten the scum and city so huge result for them and if they could get that that level of consistency i think they will be looking um superb um City even had the Terminator playing and he couldn't conjure up anything so uh, even he has his his, his off days Um, what it does mean sadly is that it looks a better and better for Arsenal each week so um, they beat Wolves 2-0 which is not difficult at the moment now I think rooted to the bottom of the table but each week that goes by they are just starting to look closer and closer And, and at this rate it may not necessarily be the quality of the Arsenal that, that wins it but it may be Man City that kind of giving them a helping hand by um, messing up and not really playing to their potential but on the day I still think City are by far and away the better team I think Arsenal are a team not a squad and that if they d- do have a few injuries at the World Cup Saka or Jesus comes back with a period on the sidelines they could be in trouble it'll be interesting to see if they get backed Uh, Or Arteta is backed um, in the transfer window and goes out and tries to buy and spend some money to see if he can cement that top four Uh, if we now look at the bottom of the table absolutely huge result Forest, huge result so um, that win means that they're now not cut adrift and uh, they've now got 13 points and um, seeing as I can stick the the boot in a little bit as he's not here my little bet with Daryl is not looking so bad now giving me some shtick the other week that um, how much uh, we had a bet by the way that I said Forrest would finish above points on Leeds a few weeks ago that looked ridiculous Forest are only two points off Leeds now so um, doesn't look quite so silly that bet anymore but what it does show is just how significantly tight the league is this year um, you've got Leicester looking completely revitalised um, you know, Rodgers was probably one game away from the sack um, last week, and now they're doing West Ham 2-0, um, and look, only looking up, and they were the team that were really underperforming for the quality they've got, they were the team that most, in my opinion, looked like they were going to turn it round. so they're, they're doing well. Um, Villa got a victory um, this week, uh, away to Brighton, so that is a huge result as well, Um Especially how well Brighton have been playing—that was not a foreseen result there. So that that keeps that the league timing uh, and tight at the bottom, and um, it's just very congested. Uh, got to mention Leeds um, as they were involved in a bit of a ding-dong match with uh, Spurs. Both had come from behind to beat Bournemouth recently. Uh, this time Leeds were up, were, were winning, but uh, Spurs eventually came out and um, took the victory four-three so that was um, looked at a pretty decent game uh, goals galore again uh, in a Leeds match it's never boring um, being a Leeds fan and uh, I'm sure it, it was away so obviously Daryl didn't go to that one and he's in uh, America anyway um, but Leeds have slightly dampens the mood particularly now that they are only two uh, points above Forest so we'll see what Daryl's got to say about that when he does uh, get home couple more bits on football for you to round off uh, this first uh, solo podcast so one was a stupid little one that i saw which was uh, ashton united don't know if anyone's heard of these this is a manchester based team six miles down the road from the etihad uh yesterday apparently they made an official inquiry to see if they could take harland on loan uh, which I thought was quite funny, uh, giving himself a little bit of, uh, I'm sure it's done purely for the press uh, perspective and to get their name out there and uh, in amongst the press. But um, it, 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 you could argue it made some sense. And here's what their uh, boss, Michael Clegg, had to say. It just makes sense. City aren't playing and we want to help by keeping Erlin fit. It makes more sense than him playing golf for six weeks. We think he'd be a great fit for us and would fit it and would slot in with our squad dynamic really well wouldn't he Cleggers I'm sure he would he would fit into any team in the world so cheeky bid I'm sure they uh, appreciate that there is not a snowball's chance in hell that that is happening but fair play to them and um, for getting the, uh, the shout outs and, and, and the press coverage for doing so um, interesting point we can spend a little bit of time on is um, Ronaldo so he came out um, yesterday and savaged um, Manu I think it would be fair to say he uh, stuck the boot in relatively severely. He said that there had been no progress whatsoever at the club since uh, Alex Ferguson left. He said the jacuzzi was the same, the staff were the same, everything was the same, and that he felt disrespected by Ten Hag and some other senior uh, people within the club who were trying to get rid of him. Um, And I thought, to myself, what a sneaky little rat. And, and the timing absolutely stinks. Apparently, man, you only found out about this on the way home from the win at, uh, Fulham when this was released. I'm not entirely sure who the interview was with, whether it was a, a foreign interview or not. But the timing is everything for me here. So that is just halfway through the season. We've got the mid-season break for the World Cup uh, and he releases this. Uh, his intentions are pretty clear, if you ask me, which is he's trying to get fired or he's trying to get a move. Now I think he knows no one is going to buy him or give him, uh, give him what he wants in that respect. A man you would might be asking for too much. So I can't help but feel this is a very obvious move to basically get sacked or, in football terms, let him get let him go on a free transfer would save Matt and you a colossal amount of money each week in terms of his wages uh, and then get rid of him Uh, and he seems to be a a distraction and a detrimental effect on the squad at the moment so uh, it was as you say nothing more than a very obvious attempt by Ronaldo to get himself released from his contract if you ask me what I don't think he's quite considered is who wants him he seems by all accounts he only wants to stay in Europe he wants to take uh, the Champions League records uh, away from Messi which means it's got to be a team uh, in the Champions League um, I just can't see anyone particularly the way he's behaved and more importantly the way he's been playing sadly this year paying him or taking a punt on him I was having a little think to myself and maybe trying to come up with, with where he could go Sporting always comes up but I'd read a report in Portugal that the, the, the Portuguese boss Amorim just not interested in him doesn't see how he fits in um, and that's would be one of the big teams that or the, the obvious choices for Ronaldo where he could go the only other team I could even think of that might be interested and it's only because of that ridiculous owner Bowley, would be Chelsea, that Chelsea have been struggling particularly up front for goals at the moment um, I've watched a couple of their games uh, recently and I didn't even realise Aubameyang was playing um, there's a shadow of a, of a former self and a really good goal scorer at one point just Not there, not interested, doesn't seem to get the ball. Uh, And I know that Bowley was interested in the summer. So Chelsea is the type of place that might offer him the kind of money that he could want. They are still in the Champions League, um, so that might suit Ronaldo as well. But outside of those two, really, I, I can't see anywhere in terms of the Champions League and in Europe that can offer him that opportunity. There would be America potentially but i mean that would obviously depend on ronaldo not wanting to play in in the europe's premier c- competition anymore there is also i believe there was an offer to him a couple of years back before he rejoined man united to go to saudi arabia and, and take a ridiculous amount of money playing in that league where he'd score about a hat trick every game so um interesting times um i would fire him if it was up to me i think he's made it clear Uh, that's what he wants so I would give it to him I think it releases Man U some funds and some some money that they could go out and spend elsewhere I think it's a distraction and unwanted media attention that they don't need when they are pains me to say it but looking okay ticking along nicely there's not been quite the dramatic transformation under um, Ten Hag that maybe they wanted Man U fans really hoped for but they're ticking along alright I don't think they could be complained at They've had a few bad results, and if they'd have raised those, um, they'd be, be sitting a lot better. But it's that's well, a funny old uh, league this year because of the mid-season break for the World Cup. Um, it, it does feel like two leagues. So the first sort of mini league is over. Second one uh, starts again after the World Cup. Um, so speaking of the World Cup, as a final little point that I thought it might be useful just to look at um, that we don't wasn't would be covered in one of our. Uh, normal uh podcasts is given the world cup coming up who goes into that world cup in the best form so who who should we be looking out for to maybe sticking a, a sneaky fiver on as, as the top scorer or as the player of the tournament that um people might be doing so I've got some some stats here which are this season Europe's top five most deadly players in terms of their goal contributions so this is both goals and assists in the games um, most of these are relatively obvious but number one I think will take you by surprise um, but let's have a look then so we've got number five Mbappe so Paris Saint-Germain this year uh, 20 games he's played in in the current season 19 goals, 5 assists 24 goal contributions in 20 games that is crazy so all of these players here actually have a positive, i.e. more goals and assists per game ratio. But anyone with over a goal or an assisted game, that is crazy. Number four, and warming himself up quite nicely uh, for the World Cup, is the GOAT himself, Lionel Messi. 26 games currently played so far for PSG this year. Sorry, 26 goal. Um, contributions 19 games he's got 12 goals 14 assists so he is banging form just before um the world cup and it shows you how good psg are doing through their their front three uh renowned front three all three are in this top five so that's pretty impressive and shows you how they're doing even though it's slightly deceiving because a lot of those assists are to each other you know good players passing to good players it's going to result in goals Number three, Terminator. 26 goal uh, involvement so far, but in only 18 games. So 18 games, 23 goals, 3 assists uh, for City. Number two, just uh, aforementioned uh, in, in PSG's team. So this is Neymar, who is actually leading the way with the goal contributions over his two other teammates. So he's currently got 27 uh, goal um contributions in 20 games that's 15 goals and 12 assists which is absolutely crazy Uh, and then number one I'm sure if I all gave you uh, a fair few guesses you probably wouldn't get this Um, very highly rated be very interesting to see how he gets on uh, at the World Cup going with Holland but it's uh, Leeds will be kicking himself they didn't uh, manage to get this deal over the line uh, and maybe they might try to rekindle that, but I suspect if he carries on in this form, his price tank, uh, tag will be flying up. But Cody Gakpo for PSV, so he's currently got 30 goal contributions in 24 games. So that's 13 goals and 17 assists. So 30 and 24 is incredible. Um, so I just thought I'd give you a little rundown of those banging form players in terms of people to look for. Obviously, all of them, bar Haaland, will be going to the World Cup. So they may be people to watch out for. And certainly for team of the uh, the, the tournament of the season, or the team of the tournament, sorry, and maybe, uh, I think, Gakpo to go in there. It could definitely be a shout. Messi, uh, ne- Messi Mbappe or Neymar to be the top scorer, all probably the top three in the betting would be sensible shouts as well but anyway I think I have rambled on enough uh, now I will call this time on this uh, double tap and um, speak to you all soon thanks very much in fact before I do go I'm just going to give myself a little plug here only because it would absolutely kill Daryl inside if this is the most popular episode so if you are listening to this I'm going to ask you to tweet it to share it to like and subscribe it just if nothing else just so that we can kill Curly Sue a little bit inside whilst he's on holiday. So thanks very much all.